the American Truck Driver Podcast, Episode 17. Welcome to the American Truck Driver Podcast. So today I'm going to tell a story about how I worked for Swift for a little over a month and I lived to tell about it. So the last year or so had been kind of tough. Personally, you know, trying to figure out whether or not I should be on the road. You know, that it's kind of a bigger issue than all of the the financial stuff and the planning of being an owner operator. But the financial reality was there and I had a CDL and I had a truck. And so I pretty much had to operate that truck last fall. Uh, in the fall of 2016, I had come off the road. I, I would actually had put the truck up for sale and I was going to, try to work at home and I uh, had gone through some classes to be a school bus driver and that was a disaster so right around the end of the year um you know I'm sitting home I'm not making any money and I got this truck sitting there and it's like well it's stupid to sit here and not make any money but part of the anxiety was you know I was in a financial position where you know if something went wrong I you know I I wasn't going to be able to fix it. I was kind of playing with fire, so to speak. You know, there was a lot of risk, but I had the truck and the ability to make money. So I remember saying, well, if it gets too bad, I can just go to Swift and be a trainer. And, you know, they make pretty good money. So it was kind of a joke, but a kind of a real backup plan at the same time. Of course, I didn't ever, you know, I never would have dreamed that a motor that was, you know, only had 140,000 miles on it would, you know, have a catastrophic failure like mine did. Uh, I tell that story in episode 15 about how the motor blew up. So, I mean, that morning uh, on April 7th when the, when the engine broke and, you know, that sick feeling hit me in the stomach that I knew it was – I knew it was bad. I didn't get an actual diagnosis for another few hours, but I knew it was bad. So I went ahead and called Swift. Before I even got the news from the shop that the motor was indeed completely broke, I called Swift and I said, hey, here's the deal. Been an owner-operator. My truck just blew up. I got to make money, so I'm going to go ahead and sign up. So I did the application and essentially, you know, it was hired on the spot. That's, that's one of the beautiful things about trucking. If you keep your driver record clean, you have a job, period. You got a CDL, you got a job. Now, it may not be the job, you know, that, that you want and may not be the perfect job, but you can have a job. So I, uh, I came home, was home about a week, and orientation started. 
on a Monday. It was actually it was a holiday. It was Easter weekend. So um, I actually got an extra day out of it because they didn't start their stuff until Tuesday. So Tuesday I go to orientation, and just like every other orientation, it was mind-numbingly boring and repetitious. Uh, but the coordinator was fun. We had a good time. I was in there a couple days. I, I I went to their uh, orientation center, their terminal there in Columbus, Ohio, and I drove up there. Now, my plan was to have my pickup truck there at the terminal because the last time I drove a company truck, which was, gosh, 2008, um, where I was on the road, I learned – that if you can get to a terminal and leave your personal vehicle there, getting home is a lot easier uh, because you can just take their truck and their load to their terminal, jump in your personal vehicle and take off. So it's only 150 miles from the terminal of the house. So I drove my old blue pickup truck up there and uh, I meet this guy who is, I don't know, he was a fleet manager. They call their dispatchers driver leaders. And this guy, I guess, was over the driver leaders. So he and I got to talking and, you know, it's funny when you go to a company like Swift and you've got as much experience as I do, they kind of treat you like a God, you know, cause you're like a unicorn, just something they don't see very often. They're dealing with so many rookies and people that just don't have the first clue about trucking. So, you know, this guy was really nice and personable and, and, uh, he, he gets me a, a Kenworth T680. I mean, y'all, this truck was nice. So I get dispatched on a load. It's Friday and it's going through the house. So I'm thinking, well, I, you know, I can swing by if I've got the time, if not, no big deal. And my wife and kids were actually going to be out of town that weekend. So I didn't have anything to do. And I fortunately made it to within about 20 miles of my house when the truck broke down. Uh, emissions problems. Imagine that. Surprise. So I got it to an international Kenworth dealer uh, that that's literally like less than 15 minutes from my house and uh, had to sit there the weekend. So, you know, I had a buddy of mine come get me and got to hang out with him for the weekend and, 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 and that was fun, but I wasn't making any money. So Monday and Tuesday, I sat at home and uh, this guy, this fleet manager, he's like, well, forget this. Let's get you another truck. I'm like, okay. He said, can you get to London, Kentucky? And I said, I don't know. Let me make some calls. So I called my cousin, and and he drove me down there. And I picked up a truck at a dealership that had been left there, much like mine was about to be. And so I bobtailed it back to Columbus. They put me in another truck, uh, 2015 Cascadia, which I had never driven the DD-15. And I can tell you right now, I love the DD-15. That is an awesome. I mean, y'all, I was in a Swift truck. And this thing was incredible. I mean, it was, you know, of course, coming out of a 2007 century, that was that was the hottest, coldest, loudest, shakingest, rattlingest piece of crap that's ever been. And getting into this Cascadia, it was the greatest thing I'd ever drove. But the power, oh, man, that even in a castrated Swift truck, that DD-15 was awesome. So I'm thinking, okay, minor setback, but now I've got a truck. Let's go make some money. And I was on track to do 3,000 miles the first week. I mean, it was, you know, dropping hook. And I I mean, it was so easy, you know, compared to chasing loads and calling agents and, 
you know, and, and not that there's anything wrong with that, but there's just a lot involved. You know, when you're Landstar and you're doing all that stuff, there's a lot of moving parts and, and you're the guy that's uh, keeping all that together. So the fact that all I had to do was shove a truck in gear and drive was kind of cake. So I'm pre-planning on a load out of Arkansas or Mississippi, Mississippi, uh, going to Houston. And it was like 400 miles delivered the next day, dropping hook, of course. And I'm thinking, all right, rock and roll. I'm, I'm going to hit 3,100 miles this week. In the first week, you know, full week with a truck, and, you know, this is awesome. It's landing, you know, I'm going to deliver this load on the cutoff day for the payroll. I'm going to hit 3,000 miles. You know, they're paying me 40-some cents a mile. I'm going to have a great check. And then they pulled the pre-plan. And I'm like, guys, what's the problem? Oh, well, you're not going to make it. What do you mean I'm not going to make it? Well, the computer says you don't have enough time. I'm like, well, I've got a calculator, and I've been doing this a while. I can make it. Well, computer says you can't make it, so you can't have it. <sighs> okay. So, kept my cool. So, they put me on a, like, 800-mile load going back to Ohio, which was fine, dropping hook, both ends. Uh, but, you know, it turned my 3,100 miles in seven days into 3,600 miles in about 12 days. You know, it just completely ruined me. It, and I, and I tried reasoning with the planner. I said, look, man, I understand the position you're in. Y'all got a bunch of rookies around here that, you know, just are, are not going to be as proficient with their time. But, guys, I've been doing this 20 years. I can make this. Well, no, we're not going to take a chance. So I'm, I'm deciding I'm okay. All right, I'm going to be reasonable. I'm going to be respectful. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. So I took the load back to Ohio. And so when I get up there, I find out about this other dedicated account they've got that's supposed to be big miles. So I get on the phone with this uh, this guy that he was a fleet manager or something for this other dedicated account. And he says, I hear you're old school. And I said, well, I guess. I've been around a while. And he goes, good, me too. And I don't mess around. Let's make some money. I'm like, hey. Yes, sir. I'm all about it. So I end up booked on a load out to Iowa. And he says, well, as soon as you get done with this load in Iowa, I'm going to pick you up on this dedicated spawn reefer. And we're going to go crazy. I'm like, all right. Well, they had already pre-planned me on a load down to Flagstaff. And he said, well, that's good miles. Go ahead and take it. And then I'll pick you up after that. So this load that I had delivered. So they got, let me back up. They've got a sliding pay scale. So, you know, you're, if your top rate's like 45, you know, little short loads pay like 58 cents a mile. And I'd had this little short load to get me into the long load. Well, that short load actually paid on that Friday, which was, I guess, the day that I was picking up that load. And I noticed that instead of paying like almost 60 cents a mile, it paid 38. And I'm like, yeah the hell well i called the payroll and she says well you're on this dedicated account right and i was like well kinda but not really not yet i mean supposed to be but i'm not actually i haven't pulled one of their loads yet she's like oh well that account pays 38 cents and i'm like no not for me it don't i was like i I mean it's 20 years and she was like nope everybody gets the same so 
you know, freak out about that all weekend. I drive to, to Flagstaff and, and, uh, so then I, I leave there and end up going into Southern California where I haven't been since 2011. So I finally, I make the call and I'm like, okay, this ain't gonna work. I can't do this 38 cents a mile stuff. There's, I'm not driving the truck for 38 cents a mile. No way, no how. Now, important note, you know, and I've probably said this in this podcast before, you know, one of the two valuable pieces of information that I received from my uncle, a 40 or 50 year driver was it's not what you make a mile. It's what you make a week, you know, and, and I consider, I'm like, okay, well, 38 cents, but if I can run 3000 miles, then that's, you know, thousand dollars or whatever versus running 2000 miles at 45. You know, I made that calculation. But I, it came down to principle. It's like, I, guys, I'm, <clears throat> with my experience, I'm not driving a truck for 38 cents. So I got back with my guy in Columbus, and he says, well, we've got another dedicated account, and it pays like 62. He's like, it's not a huge amount of miles, but it keeps you close to the house, and it's 62 cents a mile. And so if you stay out on some weekends, you know, you can get, 2,600 miles, 2,700 miles at 62. That's a pretty rocking paycheck. And I'm like, okay, I can live with that. So I finally got out of Southern California and I'm headed back to the East Coast. I was going to, well, not East Coast yet. I went to Upper Midwest. I went to Minnesota. And I got another paycheck that after all the taxes and crap came out, you know, I got like $780 or something. And I'm like, God, I can't do this. Uh, you know, I mean, I can scrounge around the house and do stuff, you know, and make 700 bucks. You know, the whole point of being out on the road is, is to make money that's worth being out on the road. And, you know, and we were addicted to owner operator cash flow. You know, I mean, which was a blessing and a curse because there were times that, you know, if maybe we would spend some money that we shouldn't. Well, I'll just go out and run a couple loads this week and, you know, and, and clear $3,000, you know. And so we kind of got ourselves addicted to that big cash flow, which is part of the reason we ended up with a broke motor we couldn't fix. But still, you know, I mean, I'm I'm literally going from two thousand dollars a week to seven hundred, and it's just it's just not working. So I start making phone calls and filling out applications, and I found this deal with this company out of Pennsylvania where they hire drivers and they lease the drivers to companies. So uh, I was going to go home and do some LTL, which is what I'm doing now, but it's kind of a day by day thing. I really don't know what's going to happen the next day. Uh, so I'm still looking at all my options. So here's uh, my overall impression of the time that I spent with Swift. Number one, they're no different than any other company on the planet. Yeah, they got some issues, but they've also got some really cool stuff too. I mean, they uh, they have apps, you know, for your phone where you get your dispatches on. They have things that they have put into motion that really helped drivers uh stuff that i y'all i would love to have had when i was a rookie driving for pst vans at 23 cent a mile and just i mean 
just a living nightmare. I, I would love to have had Swift to work for, okay, because they've got all the tools there. And, yeah, we see all their, you know, all their posts on Twisted Truckers, and and everybody likes to make fun of Swift and all Swift this and Swift that. But, y'all, I ran into some people that have been there years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. Ran into an owner-operator that's been there like 15 ran into some guys out in Southern California um, that are driving old, old FLD Freightliners uh, running Southern California, you know, which is a whole other story about emissions, you know. But, I mean, I stood and, and had a kind of half English, half Spanish conversation with this guy, uh, and he's making a living driving for Swift, an old paid-for beat-up Freightliner. Every company of that size – I've heard my whole career, oh, well, you're just a number. Yes. Yes. When you're in a company that has somewhere between ten and 20,000 trucks, yes, you're a number. Now, to you know, one or two people inside that giant organization that matter, somebody will know your name. All right, but you're not going to walk into the shop or, or, or some random uh, operating center somewhere and have somebody know your name. It's just not going to happen. It, but that's an unrealistic expectation of these giant companies. Just like was when I was with Schneider back in the day and my transmission broke and they just brought me another truck. You know, I mean, that's, that's one major advantage uh, when you're working on the road. You know, when my truck broke, they got me another one. You know, it, it was different than being an owner-operator. But I can't say honestly that i really have anything bad to say about swift you know they're, they're a company that, and they move tons and tons and tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of freight the dropping hooks are just i mean every, almost every load that i did was dropping hook I, I don't know maybe hit four docks the whole time could they do a better job training well sure sure they could and they acknowledge that. I mean, we, we had conversations about it, about their mentor program, which I that was the whole reason that I went there. Um, I went there with the express purpose of waiting the 30 days and going to be a mentor for the money. Now, you know, given that I have this platform and I do have an interest in teaching drivers, I was actually looking forward to it. But there were bigger things at hand, you know, just me, number one, me needing to be home for my wife and kids, me needing to be home for my wife and kids. So it wasn't going to work out either way. But, you know, at the time that I made the decision, uh, I was a basket case, you know, because basically my career as an owner operator came to an end in about 30 seconds. So I was in a position where I had kind of joked, you know, well, I'll just go drive for Swift. And then it happened. And I'm like, okay, oh my God, I guess I'm going to drive for Swift. Probably should have just came home, you know, but that was then. And this is now the question I guess would be, would I recommend someone wanting to enter the industry going through Swift? Absolutely. 100%. But Swift, Schneider, JB, U.S. Express, who USA Truck, whoever. Because all that's important, uh, all that is important when you strip away all the bull crap is 
you need a place where you can get a license and drive for a year. And once you've got that and a clean record, you can go do anything, anywhere, anytime. You can specialize in any niche part of the industry that you want to. But it is what it is. There's a lot of stuff in this industry that's not going to change. Uh, some, many things have changed for the better since I entered in 1997. Uh, anyone that says that uh, things have not improved for drivers over the last 20 years is lying to themselves because it, there, there have been lots of changes that have been for the better. Just in general lifestyle. You know, I, you know, my trainer back in 97 would cook a can of Danny Moore beef stew on the turbo. Well, now I, you know, man, I had a microwave and a refrigerator and a little lunchbox cooker and my satellite radio and my podcasts and my iPhone and my iPad and GPS and, and just a phone. You're just having a phone, period. Uh, compared to back in the day when I had to stand in the truck stop phone room with one phone to each ear and a cloud of cigarette smoke so thick you couldn't see through it. I have, I have absolutely no desire to go back to the good old days. The good old days were horrible. Y'all can take the good old days and shove them. Yeah, sure, I wish we could get paid more given the nature of what we do and how long we have to be gone. It would be so much easier to put up with all the stuff you have to put up with as a truck driver if you made more money but see that's kind of the thing though you can make more money swift and schneider uh, you know insert name of giant company here it's a starting point uh you know they've got specialization inside their uh, their system if you look for it it's just not easy to find you know you, you've got to kind of work for it you got to network you got to talk to people it kind of is what it is. So, you know, I, I can't say that I, I left with a bad taste in my mouth about Swift. There was just, you know, for me as an individual and the stuff that I got going on in my life and the experiences that I had, I, I couldn't stay. It just, you know, it wasn't going to work out. But it, it's a good starting place for anybody. You know, I've got a friend of mine, as we speak, um, that started uh, school with swift he just finished last week he's going to get his license thursday he'll be in a mentor's truck next week and in four weeks from that give or take they'll hand him the keys to a truck and send him on his way and i told him no matter what happens you don't quit you exercise patience and you take deep breaths and you get through situations and you call me if you need anything maybe i'll interview him you know, which would be awesome. Interview him now before he gets in the trainer truck. Need to write this down. And then maybe after 90 days on his own, you know, just to kind of get his take on what it's like entering this industry. But where else? Tell me. In what other industry or segment of the economy can you go to a school for three weeks where someone will pay for it? without a dime out of your pocket train you and basically give you a place to work as an apprentice in a in a sort of way for a year and then leave that company not owing them a dime and be able to write your own ticket 
with basically no money out of your pocket and getting paid the whole time. Again, sure, we'd like for it to pay more, but it doesn't. It is what it is. But if you want to get in the industry, go to Swift, go to Schneider, let them pay for your school, work for them a year, establish yourself as a good, safe, reliable driver, and go do your thing. Wherever you wherever you want to do it, however you want to do it, whatever kind of trailer. If you want to get into LTL, local, pulling tanks, pulling reefers, whatever you want to do. But it's just, it's a fine place to start. That's, that's basically what it is. So that's it. So I, so I, I've worked for Swift for a little over a month and I'll live to tell about it. Uh, it wasn't that bad. Uh, now I, I did, I did enjoy, and this is so wrong on my part, but there was at least three times where I blindside backed on purpose just to watch people freak out on a Swift truck started blindside backing because I knew I could do it. And I'm looking around, and you just see the eyeballs on it. I mean, you can feel you're going through the truck stop, and you can feel them staring at you, you know. And I'm like, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna back this sucker in and and uh, and make y'all sweat. It, it, whatever. That was me being a jerk, but I couldn't I couldn't stop myself. So anyway, if you have any questions about being uh, getting started in the industry, uh, send me an email anamericantruckdriver at gmail Facebook.com slash an American truck driver, Twitter.com slash Chris Polk 76. Uh, and I'll answer your questions, you know, uh, but there's really not much to it. You know, if you want to get started in this business, find somebody to pay for your school, stay there a year, write your own ticket. That's it. Keep your nose clean. Don't run over stuff. Don't kill people. Uh, exercise patience and caution and you'll get through it. So that'll do it for this episode. We will see you next time on the American Truck Driver Podcast.